0: More than just a fighter, small in stature, but brave before the world. Kai Kawa France isn't just a UFC fighter, he's also a man fighting to retain and uphold the mana of Tereo. Meon and his Maori identity and culture. Kai Kawera France is a descendant of Waikato, Ngati Tuwaratua Ngati Kahungunu and Tuhi, and a grandson of one of the greatest orators in Maori history. He talks about his identity and how that helps carve path a pathway for him to uphold his identity in the ring as a UFC fighter in the cage before the world. This is his story. This. Kai Kawa, France Indigenous 100 e te hoa. Kawa, France No welcome to Indigenous 100. Thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you so much for your time because I know that you've got a young pepe yep. and I know you're on different shifts.
1: Yeah. So really appreciate you being able to come in. How is how old is baby now? Uh, so my my youngest is about 3 months old. Oh, yeah. and uh, my oldest is nearly 3
0: That's hard out, eh?
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) two boys as well. Oh, two boys! I knew
0: you You had a a son. I didn't realize you had two boys. How do you fit that all in?
1: Uh, It's yeah, definitely a a juggling act. But um, you know, you just got to prioritize what's important, and you know, support system around me, having my wife—that's our rock—and you know, guidance. And and, you know, our grandparents are only five minutes up the road on Uh. on both sides, so it's nice to have that extra, you know, extra help and. Um, offload when we need it yeah oh. so uh, we are pretty lucky to have um, you know such such um, great family around us.
0: Kai, where is that name from?
1: So Kai is uh, I guess my shortened version of my full name. so Kai Fode is my full name oh. um, so that was my uh, uh, my uncle's namesake, um, my mum's oldest brother so oh. uncle Uncle boy or Kai fode um and it's a family name so it's been in um in my whanau, so every every uh sibling on my grandma's side carried kai oh. um, so translates to house of knowledge so you eat eat knowledge and uh you take it with you on your journey in life so a uh, big name to kind of uh live up to with a lot of mana a lot of um i guess uh pressure yeah. but um good pressure helps you
0: Where's the Kara name from?
1: Uh, So Kara comes from uh, from Napier, Hawke's Bay. Um, That's where my whānau is on my mum's side. Um, So Kara was my great-great-great-grandfather's name, so Karaiteana. So he was a speaker for the Māori king, King Kōreki, and uh, it shortened. So uh, that's from Karaiteana became Kara.
0: Oh, so I knew um, we had a teacher at Teote uh, who was a speaker for uh, Te Riki Nui. Te yep. His name was Te Opehikala. That's my grandfather. Oh, that's your grandfather. That's my
1: grandfather. Yes. Yep.
0: Oh wow.
1: Yep. So, um, like I said before, big, um, you know, Faka Papa and, and um, you know, great men that have come before me. So it's it's not a it's not by accident of where I am today when I've got. You know, their blood.
0: So Eugene and Callum are your uncles. Yep.
1: Uncles. <laughs> my, Uncle Eugene. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wait, how, how old are you? 30.
0: You're born in 93. Three. Three. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't. I'm doing the maths in my head. I wonder if you were the baby that used to turn up at school when I was there?
1: Maybe. I've been, yeah. I would have been around a lot uh, with my uncles, yeah. That's a small world, oh, yeah. eh? And um, then you start making all the connections. So um, I hope
0: you don't mind me talking about your grandfather because yeah. um, what's the phrase? Uh, well, he was the man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was um, an amazing, well, you mentioned the word orator, um, the speaker, an amazing orator um, and lots of charisma, uh, dressed impeccably. Yeah. Yeah. um there was him and an old fellow called Hohua Tutamaihe both superlative orators of the Maori uh incomparable on the marae and they were dressed to the nines they always wore suits with a waistcoat carried a pocket watch yep, and a handkerchief in the pocket and um those are people I used to look up to when I was learning the room. Yeah. And he used to teach us at Turkey. He was our Māori teacher, the real yeah. teacher. And um put it this way, uh we didn't say a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: When he was around, we just listened to him. Yeah.
1: That that's the exact same um, upbringing that we had around our grandfather was uh, you know, when he walked into a room you just knew um he didn't have to announce himself. He just had that presence and that uh that manner of um you know, you you uh spoke when you were um spoken to you wouldn't speak out a line, but you know, he had so much aroha for his for his Tamariki for his grandchildren and um yeah, I guess our household was full of so much um yeah, so so much Aroha but um at the same time um knowing, you know, um we've got great things to do. So, so especially me and my brother who's named after my grandfather Telbehe. Um we had that kind of um, expectation of um, whatever we wanted to do in life, um, we were gonna be pushed into that leadership role for our whānau. And, um, you know, my brother's a lawyer, um, me and my path that I've uh, taken, um, yeah, it was kind of um, just put on us to, I kind of lead from the front and, um, you know, that, that came from our upbringing, being around, you know, great men like our grandfather and, and our our grandmother and, yeah, yeah, I'm very thankful for that upbringing. You said expectation. Mm. What's that like?
0: Potentially, even before you start carving out your own path, mm. the one that you're on now and your own journey, what's that like to have the expectation given? I think just about everyone in Māori knew who your grandfather was. Mm. What was that like to have the weight of that expectation on your shoulders, knowing you have to carry on that tradition, I suppose?
1: Yeah, it was only going to help you um, and just keep you grounded and keep you, um, I guess, welcoming challenges that were ahead of you and having that resilience to push push through and, and know that um, whatever you, you face in life, um, it's in you. It's in you to overcome it. And um, I guess that gives me, I guess, uh, the clarity of um, where I'm heading to know that where I've come from and, the, you know, the people that have come before me.
0: How does
1: culture, real tikarno, how can that possibly help you when you're in the cage? Oh, it's... That's, that gives me everything that I need to know about um, what I do for for a living is, uh, you know, tapping into tupuna, tapping into um, my whakapapa, which is, um, you know, we, we come from this bloodline of, um, you know, um, warriors and, and um, you know, leaders. Um, so it, that's how I make sense of everything that I'm about to go do is, um, you know, welcoming on uh, to matainga, the god of war, and, and letting go of rongo, the god of peace. Um, uh, you know, something that I, I've had to learn over time. So, you know, being brought up in Auckland, you could become a bit disconnected to tikanga and... Um, Te reo because everyone's so busy, everyone's, um, you know, trying to progress in different uh, different ways in life, uh, which is okay. My, my parents um, knew that one day I'd full circle and come back to, um, you know, my journey in, in yeah. Te Reo and um, on the Real Waka and um, kind of re- reconnect with, um, I guess, my, my Māori side. Um, and, you know, having children has helped me kind of do that. So we're fighting subconsciously. I was already doing these things, you know, um, tapping into a different, uh, I guess, alter ego of myself. Uh, but now to have the tikanga to go with it, that that what's is what's made sense of it. So you know, before I go out and fight, um, I remember my grandmother used to say her name's um, Waitiki. Um, she would always say, "Do a karaki before you go out," you know, just to guide you, just to bless you. So um, whatever you're going to go do, um, you can come back home safe and. Um, you know, I have the the reel to go with that now. Um and it's been awesome to kind of tap into that and when I'm in the cage, you know, there might be thirty thousand people in the arena and they might be going for the other guy, you know, but I have all my two pointer behind me. So just makes me feel calm, makes me feel um I guess confident and also um just p- at peace with what's about to happen and knowing that, you know, um Tupuna would have been on the battlefield, you know, fighting yeah. for our whenua, fighting for our for our land and for our people. Uh, I just t- get to do that in uh, the modern-day version of it, so, yeah.
0: Wow, okay, so there's a couple of things I want to pick up on, and I do want to talk about your real journey and where you think you're at with that and how that's going, because yeah. that interests me as a second-language learner, right? I'm always interested in seeing how people <laughs> are developing and, and the tricks of how they're doing it and all that kind of thing. Yeah. But I want to come back to, you talked about the alter ego. Mm. Uh, And I want to talk a little bit about process, how you go through that, because part of that could be learned behaviour, and as you say, the other part of it is tūpuna-inspired, if I can put it that way. It's influenced by a whole bunch of different things. So when you're, say for example, um, your last fight, controversial as it was, (laughs) I read an article not long afterwards, I think it was, that 18, the panel of 20 experts, 18 of them said you won, uh, and most of us agree with them, (laughs) but... um, Let's just go back to the bit before you get to the arena. Yeah. Talk to me about the process of when the alter ego starts to develop and how that happens. Because it interests me that um, that everything's kind of process driven. There's a, there's a there's a place at which you do this and then do that and then you do yep. that. The, yes, there's a bit of natural athleticism that comes. Yeah. But where? Talk to me about the start of that. When you get into the arena, or is it before then? What what
1: happens? How does it work? So fight week, when you touch down wherever you're fighting, uh, mostly, or at the moment, um, most fights are done in Las Vegas, so the fight capital of the world. So when you touch down, kind of that flight over there, it's uh, that's that transition of you know that that calm before the storm. So fight week, when you land. Um, You have all your your usual things you do, your media, weigh-in day, um, and then fight day. Um, So you're kind of just soaking up all the, um, just the motions of of fight week, Um, you know, seeing your opponent for the first time, you know, um, what they have to say about you. All of that stuff doesn't really matter because all the work's done in the camp. So when it's fight week, it's all about just um, doing what you can, what you usually do to make you feel um, in your groove and um, getting ready for, for that. For that night, um, so f- we usually fight on a Saturday night. Um, go to the stadium on the on the shuttle. Um, all the teams behind me, you know, our coaches Eugene, Andre, um, whoever the um, whoever else is in the corner as well. Um, they'll be on the bus and uh, just playing. You know, I, I like to listen to, uh, especially New Zealand or or Maori So something that keeps me calm, something that. Takes my mind off what I'm about to go do. So, so that, that's about trying to stay centered. Yeah. Okay. Centered and and just reminded of like what I'm about to go do is yep. is um, for for something for a purpose, um, and not overthinking anything. Just just taking it as it is. Uh, so you get to the stadium, you go to your locker room, you see your your your, your uh, UFC fight kit with your name on it, um, and then I just have a rest, go to sleep. I just start to visualize everything I'm about to go do. Um, you know i start to have have those cut of cares i look into the mirror and the bathroom and and you kind of just um assess everything look at yourself and and just kind of uh start to drop all those other responsibilities and those other um roles that you carry um you know when i'm in the stadium i'm i'm not that brother and that that son and and that um i guess father now i'm i'm that warrior version of myself and that's a process that I've gone over. Um, that works for me. And um there's no more emotion now. It's just going in and doing a job and and um, you know, something that uh, you know, our two would have done, you know, going into the battlefield and and um they're letting go of stuff that doesn't matter. And um yeah. And for me it's a clear path of what I'm gonna do. And so when I make that walk out where I hear my walk out music, um you know, there's no um, second guessing yourself. There's no doubt. There's just supreme confidence. There's just, um, I guess, uh, an objective which is to go out there and and um, kill or be killed. And uh, it is it, it is quite um, black and white with what you're about to go do. But you have to, if you feel like you're going to lose, you, you're gonna that that's probably going to happen. Yeah. So you can't have any um, any self doubt, any um, sabotage. Um, Uh, yeah you have to cut it straight away if you have any of those things that come into your mind which is normal as human beings but you have to be able to just um, acknowledge it as what it is and then let it go so when you're in there you're just seeing everything right in front of you not looking about what you're gonna do after the fight um, what this means for you if I beat this guy I might fight for the world title well that does that stuff doesn't uh, matter unless you go out there and do your job and and um, go get the win Um, so yeah you're so uh, dialed in which is the word
0: What is the last thing that goes through your mind or the last thing that you say to yourself before the ref, the umpire, the man in the middle taps his hand and says, fight, what's the last thing that you say to yourself or what's the last
1: thing that's in your mind? Um, Well, I'm I'm probably tapped into my breathing. So a lot of it is just controlling um, the things I can and that's just um, being efficient with my output. So I don't want to be, you know, breathing too heavy and and feeling um, heavy. I want to be just uh, controlling, you know, um, the, my breath rate, and that's you know, light nasal in, light nasal out, if I can um, Taking in everything in the in the um, so in the arena. So I used to kind of be so tunnel vision that I don't take it all in. I just so want to. You would try and knock out, yeah, block leave it out. the
0: crowd noise out, block, block it, it out. Yeah. You don't
1: do that anymore. No, I I kind of um, figured out, don't fight it accept it and welcome it. And uh, that means, you know, look at faces, look at people. Um, it's not like a distraction, it's more just being aware of your um, surroundings and um, that kind of helps you not build things up that, that more than it needs to be. Um, so in fighting, it's always gonna be the same setup. Mm. So when you get into the cage, no matter how big of a platform or, or promotion you're fighting in, it's always the same a cage, the ref and your opponent. Um, so once you get past that, um, it's always the same. So when you're in there, you just feel at home.
0: And you can you can hear Eugene yelling out to you?
1: Yeah, very clear. So you have to have your ears, um, you have to learn how to, I guess, channel um, voices and, and um, instructions that you need to. Um, and that's a skill in itself when, you know, people are screaming and so much is going on around you. But I don't worry about those noises, I just worry about the, you know, the extra eyes that you have um, to guide you. And, you know, having Eugene as a coach um very thankful to have that kind of um mentorship and, and um you know guidance when I'm in there. So, you know, before we ever go out and fight we have a, a door prayer to kind of um you know, guide us of what we're about to go do and just remind us, you know, we've got teammates that aren't here anymore. they have yeah. passed on and, and uh we're carrying on their legacy and um just kind of it's bigger than, you know, my my for my own self. It's uh, you know, the team that we uh, fight for city yeah. Kickboxing, and um, yeah, it means a lot to us. And then, obviously, when we draped the New Zealand flag over our shoulders, um, just reaffirmed everything we we're about, about to go do.
0: Yeah. And in between rounds, and sorry, sorry, I'm get, it's, it's getting. It's okay. Really and Focusing on fighting. But yeah. um, you know, one of the things about doing these kind of cordial with people like you is that um, when I hear you talking about breathing, because that's something that people need to kind of learn. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone thinks, "Oh, well, I know how to breathe," but in actual fact. Breathing's really important, even yeah. when you're doing gigs like this. Yeah, yeah You know, breathing when you're speaking and all that kind of stuff, right? Completely different situation, I know. But um so so in between rounds, I know and, and you're talking with the coach and stuff, but what what are you saying to yourself? Even though you you will be listening to Eugene mm-hmm. uh, and people are yelling and you know, yes, cameras going and all that kind of stuff. But what are you thinking and saying to yourself in those breaks? Are you like, are you saying, Oh geez, he got me there or oh no, I got him good, I'm a, I'm ahead, I'm up, or, or or again, have you just got Ultimate clarity about what the next thing is.
1: Yeah. So for the first twenty seconds, you're just um, trying to control yeah. the gears of of your breathing. So something that our breathing coaches um, taught us, Dave Wood, um, is going through this gear system. So you know when you're going for um, your actual uh, your absolute max, so you, you, you're using a lot of energy. That's when you're just going to be using your mouth so yeah. in and out. Um, but then you want to try work back down those gears. So eventually, um, in your nose, out your mouth, and in. Then, then, Hopefully you can get back to just nasal in, nasal out. So I'm just trying to um, tell myself to don't do anything but focus on the breathing. So first 20 seconds, I'm not listening to any information that's coming in from Eugene. I'm just trying to kind of uh, recenter myself. Usually it takes 20 to 30 seconds, and then I'm I'm sweet, and then I start to listen to what I need to be uh, doing. So you know anything that's happened in that round, let it go. Doesn't matter. what you're about to go do, that's what you want to be focusing on. So he'll say, like, we we got that round, um, so we wanna keep doing more of that or okay, you lost that round. We need to change something. We need to adapt. Uh, and that's fighting who can adapt um the best. Yep. So on the on paper it might be, you know, undefeated, uh, world t- world champion, all this accolades, but when you're in the cage, none of that matters. It's yeah. it's what what's in front of you. Who can adapt? Who can um, not overestimate their opponent, and who can come, I guess, best best prepared on that day. So for for us, you've got to be good at just adapting on the fly. Um, something that we're we're good at, at fighting is um, not holding on to results and and stuff that's happened and and just pushing forward and never losing hope of of winning. So um, so know. so what's it like then? When
0: you have maintained that focus for a long time, right through training camp, all the way to the fight, get the end of all those rounds, and then you get a split decision, which is controversially not for you, but for your opponent. How do you deal with that? Because, you know, you've done everything you can, Mm -hmm. and according to the crowd and according to all of us, you've won a fight. And you probably, in your own mind, think and know that you've won a
1: fight. And when it goes against you, what's that like? Yeah, it's it's definitely tough um, when you put so much into this. And, uh, you know, this is my career, this is how I make a living for my family. This yeah. is, you know, how I support them. And, um, you know, losses do stick with you for a long time, just because there's so much on the line. You know, your rankings, obviously financially, um, losing money. But, um, you know, I haven't lost. This is my first time losing. So, you know, I know how to deal with it. I know I'm fighting the best guys in the world. And, um, you know, everyone else that saw that fight knew that I'd won. So I just take it for what it is. I know it doesn't, um, I guess, reflect uh, my performance or, or where I'm at. It just shows that, you know, I, I've got to, I guess, put more energy into, I guess, finishing fights rather than um, letting letting this go to the the judges and, and uh, kind of letting, that, letting it, uh, that decision in their hands. So for me, it's just focus on the next thing and stay positive um, you know I don't dwell on things I just move on and move forward and um, yeah I, I, a lot of the um, something that's reaffirmed my performance is I've been getting called out every fight every UFC fight night um, and they're not calling out the guy that won they're calling out <laughs> the guy that lost so it just shows that um, they th- even thought I won as well
0: yeah um, I was going to bring that up for the thank you for raising that because I wasn't <laughs> sure how I was going to do that diplomatically yeah <laughs> um, um, why do you do it? Because there's... I mean, I'm, we've interviewed Eugene Behrman for this. Yeah. Um, and he talked about a situation in his life mm. which actually had a really profound effect on him, yep. losing a fighter, yeah. and the way in which he coaches. Mm. Um, and he talked about the fact that um, the main thing for him is uh, finding a way to help protect his fighters that ultimately leads to results. Yep. But for him, it's about protecting fighters. Mm. For you, as a fighter, why do it when you know that sometimes, ultimately, the result doesn't end up being in your hands no matter what you do? Mm. So why do
1: it? Um, you know, this is all I've ever known since I was 10 years old. This is my dream to be in the UFC and to mm-hmm. and, uh, do this as a career. And, and um, I guess it's something that um, I fell into. Uh, it wasn't my sport growing up. Soccer was my main sport. Since I was four to about 20, that was what I played. Uh, that, that was my inspira- uh, aspirations, was to be an all-white and play in the mm. New Zealand soccer team. But um, I knew at an early age that wasn't going to happen, because if you weren't in those... Um, League guess, academies. Yeah, and academies and, and developing squads at you know, 14, 15, then... You're, you're just a number, pretty much. Yeah, because you went to Manaba Grammar For soccer, yeah. Real, really good football academy. Yeah, yeah. Kevin so, Fallon and all that kind of Yeah, stuff. so Kevin Fallon was our, our coach. And, yeah. um, you know, a lot of guys that I grew up with went on to become, you know, New Zealand um, um, soccer players and, you know, have, have gone overseas and, um, you know, done really well in their careers. Uh, but, yeah, I, I guess at one point in high school I realised that, I was kind of over team sports. I was over um, relying on other other people, and um, I wanted to do something where it's all on you, pretty much. You, obviously, you have the team to prepare for for fighting, but when you're in the cage or in the ring, it, it's it's pretty much um, what you put in is what you're going to get out get out of it. So um, I love that about fighting. I remember having my first fight when I was about 15. Uh, I lost. Um, my family was all there, and um, just to get in the ring. Just those mental battles you have to overcome and block out—that's um, what I loved about it. So it wasn't about the winning or losing for me. It was about um, overcoming your fears and, um, you know, putting all that training into um, into live play. And um, I knew that I was going to chase this because
0: you said a career. Yep. Um, for many of us, the shelf life of a UFC fighter is actually really short. Mm. Um and it's something that most of us would think doesn't lead to a lifetime career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean you know you open a gym yeah. and you and you train um once you've finished fighting you can train people and all that kind of stuff but it, yeah. it doesn't lend itself ordinarily to most of us yeah um, you know um um unhardy and not really brave people like myself who would never get an ring, let alone a cage would think that that that's not the most um
1: career enhancing move yeah. to get into UFC. Yeah. Yeah, well so all my siblings went to university, you know, my, my, my dad's a lawyer, my brother's a lawyer, my other brother's a journalist. So um I was the kind of um I guess black sheep in the family that it wasn't for me going down that university path and um, you know, that was quite hard to tell my parents that I wanted to drop out of um, uni and and um I was doing a bachelor in arts. At Unitech, eh? Uh, huh? uh, I was at Auckland Uni oh, first, Uni. and then I dropped out, and then I did um, Bachelor of Sport at Unitech. So okay. something that um more catered towards doing sport. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, um, again, my head wasn't in it. I just wanted to train. I just wanted to fight, and I just wanted to focus on um, getting better for, for fighting. So, um, yeah, I, I told my parents that I'm going to drop out. And um, at that time, there were these um, scholarships advertised in Thailand where um, they were offering uh, five guys to be a part of the fight team, you know, free accommodation, food, um, all the training gear and just all the means to kind of further your career. Um, And uh, I just told my parents I was going to book a one-way ticket and chase it and go for it. Um, Ended up getting picked up and and was based over in Thailand for about four years. Um, Best thing to ever do was, you know, get out of my comfort zone and, um, you know, being shy and and quite... um, Timid and, and um, figuring out who I was as a person. Traveling and going overseas definitely helped me um, figure that out um, because I didn't know anyone over there. I just had to uh, you know, learn, learn as I went. And um, for experiences, um, you know, meeting um, a lot of people, heaps of training um, partners and coaches, and uh, traveling around around Asia, uh, fighting every month pretty much. I was, I was boxing, kickboxing, and um, fighting MMA. Um, pretty much, yeah, every month. And, and um, when you're all in like that, uh, with no, I guess, uh, plan B, uh, you figure out if this is for you or not. So that was a big, uh, I guess, realisation that if I want to do this, I have to be 100% um, committed to it. And uh, I just stuck at it. I just keep turning up. There was, I wasn't always winning. It was some t- um, points in my career over there that um, family were saying come back home we can't keep funding this fantasy that you uh, are chasing. That we're calling it a fantasy. Well, just the more like a ho- like a training holiday where um, you know I wasn't winning every fight, yeah. and some m- months were tough where I had to you know ask for some some money and get topped up. And and my brother was sick of um, you know having to fill up my scooter and and um, you know being that safety net. Um, but you know I'm so thankful that I had that support, yeah. and um, I uh, you know I found a way to figure it out. And then uh, after four years being in Thailand, um, I guess I got a bit too comfortable where, um, you know, you you, you just sim, uh, live in this life where you need a head coach to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And uh, that's when I made the move back home to Auckland and, and started training under Eugene because um, I was learning so much off him and yeah. um, I knew that that's where I needed to be. So awesome to be back home to, you know, not sacrifice friends and family and be away. Um, but you know, you have to navigate through all of that first to appreciate what you have.
0: I mean, it's an incredibly brave thing to do mm-hmm. to go somewhere so far away with a different culture and away mm-hmm. from home for so long yep. without a plan B. And then dub- double up on that the fact that it's the fight game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you talked earlier about the fact that, you know, there's a bit of DNA mm-hmm. here. Fuck up from Tupuna and, uh Fafai and pakanga and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um but see see this isn't for all people. <laughs> you yeah. know? I mean not many people would do that. Yeah. Uh and it kind of fascinates me that you have this kind of steely resolve mm. and determination when there is a comfortable way of living yep. and yet that's not the way you've chosen to go yeah and yeah I, I just wondered if you realised that's not what normal people do
1: <laughs> no I've I realized that um <laughs> quite early on um uh, but I was so i you know I'm quite stubborn when I have um a goal or something that I want to do so, so where does that come from uh definitely my upbringing no, yeah. um just you know all of my siblings and my you know my family my, my dad and my mum um and you know, I'm not the tallest person, I'm not gifted, you know, with this um you know, freakish physique where I can, you know, pick up a ball and go do a slam dunk or, or play rugby and run it, you know, run it straight to everyone and yeah, hurt everyone. Your grandfather was a big guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, he was. And and Eugene and Kellam were quite tall. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um and uh which is why when you see that was your grandfather I was going, gee, he's quite a big fella. Yeah. <laughs> well um my great-grandfather could uh, he was seven foot oh yeah and it was a famous story of him um when uh, someone was speaking at the at o- on a marae and um they spoke out of place and he th- picked them up and threw them over the fence he was that big and um so you know it is uh i guess um a part of our uh our heritage where you know we have a lot of Great, uh, big, great men. Um, But when people say, oh, who's the fighter in the family? (laughs) He's behind all the big guys. He's the guy at the back. (laughs) Um, They always crack up. But, you know, I've just had to work what I've been given. And and, um, for me, it was always been the hardest worker in the room. Um, If I'm going to do something, I have to be all in. And um, I guess it's helped me a a lot um, being consistent where, you know, I I might not – be the fittest or the strongest, but I'll, I'll make sure that um, I'll close that gap between um, my my uh, my peers and my um, opponents. Where um, I'll put it all together and I'll, I'll find a way to to, um, to come out on top. So, yeah, something that was installed into um, all, all of us growing up was just you just got to work hard at um, whatever it is, whatever your passion is. Yeah, um, and I guess that's what's kind of kept me in the fight game. because yeah. it was never about making money. It was never about, you know, being a tough guy. It was always uh, following my passion, which was uh, martial arts. But what I loved about it is it brought the best out of me. It brought, you know, so much that um, a great, I guess, um, ethos to kind of um, go off. That's why I feel like every child needs to learn martial arts, because, you know, you learn stuff that you take on for life, you know, Mm. how to be um, respectful, how to be accountable, how to have courage, how to uh, be disciplined, how to uh, be accountable um, and loyal. So many things that um, you need to learn as a, as a young man, you know, trans- transitioning from a boy to a man. And, um, you know, for me, it wasn't about um, self-defense or anything. It was uh, something that you carry for yourself, that yeah. inner confidence that you know that you can, I guess, hold your own and, and take on um, any challenge um, and be be able to problem solve. And, you know, so many things that you learn on the mats, you learn through failure, you learn through, uh, through um, you know, when things don't work out, yeah. you have to stay at it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm nodding and smiling and pointing because um, all of those characteristics, are attributes, that are transferable to learning a new language mm-hmm. yeah. and in particular your own language yeah, yeah. and in particular for you, for someone who's uh, the progeny, the mokopuna of a tremendous orator, superlative orator of te Māori, that there's a lot of transferable skill there. You know, you talk about the characteristics of failing and learning and developing yeah. and, um, and that kind of thing. So I just wanted to quickly transfer to your language journey because yeah. Uh, it can be a hard thing to do when you're older, yeah, and you're male, yeah. because, you know, whether we like to believe it or not, um uh, an old lady one time who started the Te language movement, Haserele Mataira, said to me, uh, you know, one of the biggest problems we have in do Māori is people like you. And she wasn't talking. Well, maybe she was talking about me. But anyway, <laughs> she, talk, she meant males, yeah. because our male ego doesn't like showing that we might not know something or yep. that we're ignorant about something. Mm. And so, therefore, we clam up and yep. we don't talk. As you said, that's the biggest problem we have for te reo Māori, mm. is people like you who are second language learners who don't want to be shown up to be wrong yep. and, therefore, you don't talk. Yep. So, is the challenge similar, learning the reo? And do you approach it the same way as you do with the discipline transferred from your sporting athletic career to learning te reo?
1: Yeah, it's definitely, um, you just have to start whatever you know, whatever you don't know, you have to, um, you can't let that, I guess, um, put you off from starting. You just have to go in with, uh, yeah, open arms. Um, you know, if there's Mama about, you know, upbringing and, and being disconnected and not feeling worthy or, or, um, not feeling that, uh, you have the right to learn, um, you have to put that to the side. Um, and yeah, just, it's just like fighting, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? And, um, for me, uh, when I, you know, get into a groove where I do it every week, I have to keep doing it. Otherwise, um, I'm just gonna say, oh, um, I'll get back to it. And you never do, you know. Um, but one thing that helped me kind of, um, dive deeper was, when my son started going to Kohanga, Reo and, you know, he's on his real journey, so I need to, you know, walk that path with him. Um, so it was just time, time in my life where um, I was putting things in perspective and, and where I wanted to be and who I want to be. Um, and a lot of that was, you know, um, I guess, not patching things up with being busy, um, especially when you've got children, you have to... Um, you have a lot of downtime where you can um i guess f- fill that with something that's um important to you and um uh, for me i always knew that i'd come back to to real and um come back on that journey um so yeah i've been lucky enough to uh be a part of a group that um kind of helped me on that journey and that was through um through upetl who uh, started their uh um Zoom classes yeah. for especially athletes that um you know have busy lives and, and um wanna get into that space but they feel like they um you don't don't have enough, I guess, time to commit. Um so that was great having that space to, you know, share with other men that um were on their journey and, and um if they were feeling shy about how much they knew and how much they didn't know, it didn't matter. Yeah. You just you just turn up and, and um there's no um I guess ego. There was no um, judgment. It was just, yeah, just embrace it, and uh, that was awesome. Having that, uh, I guess, space to, to share with other men and, and um, other tane, um, and uh, yeah, just be a part of that.
0: Yeah, um, of course, the talent of one of their and their founder was go
1: to the system. But, but
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just want to throw that out there. You will know, ricochet throughout the pifid oniony phone. How was it going?
1: Uh, so I've, it's one of these things where I've actually been quite busy with um you know like you said before the fight game is pretty unforgiving I've mm. I've had a concussion that um, I've had for the last what 12 13 weeks so I've been nursing Yeah cuz you were meant to find in I think September yeah, yeah I was yeah. supposed to fight in Sydney and yeah. in a big UFC card yeah, and yeah. I had to pull out so you know it's um it's another thing that's given me perspective it's um you know fighting is it's my career, it's my job, but it's it's not my identity. For me, mm. my identity is me being moldy and that's always helped me kind of make sense of my path. Um, so I know, you know, I've got at least another five years left in me um, to pursue fighting. Um, but when that day comes where I want to hang up the gloves and, and venture off into something else, um, it's not going to be a shock. It's not going to be uh, where I have this midlife crisis where I don't know who I am anymore. Mm. Um, it's a big um, so I guess um, grounding uh, savior that I've I've had that realization early on. Um, so you know I do other things outside of fighting which is which is awesome. you know I, I um, do a lot of guest speaking, uh, especially at schools and for mental health. I do a lot of uh, I do commentating, so analysts for fighting. I have my own clothing line, which is awesome. Um, you know, being in that space being a, um, in something different to fighting. Um, and then also being uh, a wrestling coach for the New Zealand Warriors, so helping them out in their career, you know, adding value to their co and, awesome. and transferring what I've learned on the on the mats and martial arts to the, the rugby field.
0: Oh, so, so, so you're the reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, oh. I knew there must have been a secret. <laughs> Secret point of success, and now I know what it is.
1: I wouldn't say I'm the reason, but <laughs> it definitely nah, helped you, you, in you some. Can way. Probe, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> you can take a <laughs> pro,
0: it. it's all good. Um, oh. Is it scary at the moment? You talked about the concussion. Mm. Uh, is that scary? I mean, we're much more aware, which is awesome, yeah. about um, injury and, in particular, uh, injuries on the brain and the effects that that has long term and all yeah. that kind of thing and you're you're in a you're in a risky game right? yeah is that scary when that happens
1: um you definitely have you know when when my injury did happen it was my first concussion of my whole career thirteen years of fighting, so pretty lucky uh, knock on wood of of um how less damage I've been able to take um but yeah this sport's very unforgiving you know this could um you know stop your career and i you know i did have a, a week of um, you know, thinking, is this is this my time? do I wanna hang up the gloves, do I wanna stop fighting You know, something that's just natural of um just being kinda of overwhelmed with what's going on and, and it's probably from the concussion as well, We you, you can't regulate your emotions as as well as you usually could. You're just very um irritable. Um, all my symptoms, you know, I was nauseous, I was um headaches. it felt like I was hungover. Wow. Felt like um you know, unstable, and then mood-wise, you know, very um, just yeah, just just uh, angry and frustrated, and you know, some noise and light was um, irritating. Um, so you know, all these things that I'm trying to uh, feel onto it because I've got responsibilities, but I'm I'm trying to you know get to a place where I can feel um, like not not um, overwhelmed with everything that's going on so when people are say when's your next fight are you going to be ready and putting that pressure on you is like oh, i want to take a step back i'm not feeling myself at all yeah. i don't want to have a, a a timeline of when i need to be ready by so that's when i just said let's just take that pressure off from training and from fighting um and let me just do it on when i'm ready you know so that's where i'm at um and i'm back to you know full training um which is you know cardio conditioning weights um and all of that stuff so I'm enjoying just moving my body again being in a routine like that where um you know for so long that's all I've ever known and when it was taken when it gets taken away like um like that it's it's pretty tough to kind of uh deal with but you just have to sit with it you have to um i guess allow yourself time to to heal hmm. and um yeah not put um any more added pressure than it needs to because it's only going to make it worse so what helped me was you know using all the warriors resources or all, all their specialists or their um, neurologists and sports yeah. um, concussion specialist, and they just you know said stop um, comparing yourself to what you could do before your concussion set the benchmark lower so in your head you're always winning so that helped me a lot where you know expectations for the day was usually you know train three times a day you know do all this fill up your day with so many things when it's like let's take all that away if you go for a w- walk in the morning and you hang out for your kids that, that's enough you don't have to uh, you know do anything more than that that's okay to do that right now because right now that's your priority um, so you know weeks are doing that and then I could add more to that you know okay I can go for a run now okay cool I can you know fill up my day a bit more so now it's at a point where i'm not having all these big setbacks i'm coming back too early you know being in the gym and trying to force it um that's when you start to um, get even more frustrated because you're like oh well i followed all the all the protocols and pathway back to sport but um i didn't give myself enough time so that's where i'm at with not forcing these things and you know hopefully December um I'm cleared and um you know I can do everything and I'll be, you know, a few months away from fighting again. So mm. I know next year is gonna be a big year for me, but um I gotta do the right things now and that's just, you know, allowing myself to um, you know, take it easy and, and pick it up um when I need to. But you are back in the gym now. Yep. Back in the gym doing pre season with the Warriors, um, you know, doing the field sessions with the boys and, and doing the sprints and all of that stuff. So enjoying just um using their prison as preseason is my preseason wow. um, building together and and um you know helping them in their space of of wrestling H- how long are those sessions at the moment like w- once a day at couple of hours um yeah so um just depends on what day it is yeah. so uh we train the boys uh yeah. 2 hours uh for wrestling so different groups every hour yeah. and then um the forwards and the backs or if it's a sprint session or a field session will be like an hour um hour 45 so just depends on on what it is so okay. Pretty cool to um, be able to, you know, to do the walk along with them and, and um, you know, push with them. This might
0: surprise you, but um, I don't spend a lot of time in the gym. Um, <laughs> I know, amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, um, um, you're probably really shocked. Um, so that sounds follow on enough for me.
1: Right. Really? Yeah.
0: You're laughing, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm trying not to be offended by.
1: Um, when you're at peak. You said three trainings a day. It yep. Is... yep. So a fight camp is usually about eight to ten weeks, uh, which is about three times a day, seven days a week. How long is each time a day? Uh, it's usually about an hour, hour session. And in between those trainings, you're doing recovery. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a recovery at my house, a sauna and an ice bath. So try to get in there as much as I can in the week just to have like a, a flush of um, the hot-cold contrast. Um, we... You're not going to be feeling a sore the next day. It helps you sleep, helps you recover faster. Um, if you're not doing that, you know, you're doing yoga, um, stretching. A lot of stuff I've had to learn with my age, just mature, maturing as a um, as an athlete. It's not about just the uh, output. You've got to invest back into your body. Yeah. So um, something I've learned from the Warriors as well, all the young guys are doing all the extras, doing the yeah. whole preseason. The older guys don't come until halfway, if not towards the end. Because I don't need to do that big push. Their bodies have that muscle memory that um, they can pick up in the season of um, of a career, uh, of their rugby career, where um, less is more. And same now in the fight game, where you know I don't need to be in the gym, you know, twenty four hours out of the day, and and um, you know sparring all the time. I can just cater towards what works for me. Yeah. And um, that's been a big learning as well. as, I guess. Um, yeah, just quality over quantity, and and um, yeah, saving your body and uh, obviously saving your brain.
0: Do you? You said saving the brain. Do you have a program to train the brain? So you know, uh, I know a lot of it's probably muscle memory about how you find that centered, but when you need it, yeah, particularly in the ring. But do you have to train for that? And if so, how do you do that? Because yeah, yeah, um, I don't think I'm ever going to be doing three sessions a day. <clears throat> Uh, <laughs> much as I could in my youth not even that actually um, but the training the brain part is something that I think I could do or maybe not actually because I'm not a world
1: athlete kind oh, yeah. like you but h- how do you do that bit? Training your brain a lot of it is being able to stay disciplined and focused for you know however long you're training so if you have, if you have an hour session yeah. walking in the doors at our gym whatever you have going on in your personal life don't bring it with you. Coming how hard in, is that though? Yeah, it is hard, but you have to, um, that's how you have to have a clearer mind. So just every day have some sort of purpose. So whatever that is um, coming into your session, okay, today I want to make sure I'm working on the skill set or, or whatever it is. Um, when you When you go into that session, don't let your mind wander. If it wanders, bring it back. Um, having the discipline to be able to do that because in a fight that's that 's everything if you have a fight for fifteen minutes, if your mind wanders you know just for a second could you could get knocked out that 's the difference of um, yeah, high risk so being able to be um, so i guess um, aware of 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 the, those things um, and the drilling that we 're doing is um, at the high standards so our coach twist would always say if you 're not going to do it properly. Just don't do it at all, because there's no point. It's it's it needs your full attention. Otherwise, go go drink some beers and and um, you know uh, go to the beach. Because right, if you're in the gym, it's it's got to be like that, and especially in a camp, um, because it's just, you're just wasting your time. And um, that's something that you need to learn. So uh, for, for something that I've had to do for my concussion is uh, my multitasking wasn't good. So I wasn't good at planning and organizing in my head so what's helped me with that was cooking. So I had to follow a recipe, stick to it and um obviously you you're doing all these things at once um and that helped me kind of um yeah work work my brain without the uh uh intensity of of going out for a run or or whatever like that. Okay.
0: Yeah, because cause in my head I think you'd be someone like I'm going to waste this chicken fettuccine, <laughs> 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 <Kind of> like, <laughs> you, you know that yeah. same kind of dogged, determined, I'm going to smash yeah. this chicken fettuccine and then feed it and go to the fan. I go, yeah, you better like it. <laughs> it's got, but it's not it's it's trying to maintain different levels at different times, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 and um, just just being um, being able to just follow through the whole thing. Yeah. so if you know. Things aren't working out in the kitchen, and you are starting to burn things. You know, don't let it stop you from finishing it. Just, just figure out a way. Um, so that, that's been awesome to, um, as a wow. as a way to do things. Um, but yeah, that's when I've been obviously nursing this concussion. You know, before that, you know, reading was a was a big thing for me. You know, reading about um, you know other leaders, other sportsmen and and their challenges that they've had to go through um, through their careers, you know, reading Sunny Bill Williams, something someone I looked up to um, you know, it's that, a friend sent me his book went to Mount Albert Grammar as Albert well Graham, so yeah. something that he, he did um, was, you know, crossovers all these different um, codes you know, rugby league, rugby boxing, um, so from his journey seeing how he did things um, was a big kind of eye opener for me um, the person he is, you know, he's You know, as humble as he is um, off the field, um, on the field, you know, he has that mindset of, um, you know, he's going to find a way. And um, whatever he did, he was always um, at the highest standards. Uh, He talked about it as as being an all black. Um, When you get given that jersey, you want to leave it better than how you found it. And uh, you're you're a caretaker of the jersey. So the time that you have it, um, you give it everything and then you pass it on to the next person. So something that you want to be doing in life is, you know, leaving this place better than you found it and, and how you came in. Yeah. Um so yeah, I know that's we're going on a tangent here from, from your question. But no, yeah. no,
0: no, 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 no I appreciate it. <laughs> because the thing that comes to my mind is and um you talked about Sunny Bill, in the real game, yeah. <clears throat> uh when we were at Toze, we get asked to get up and do the five quarter. And you can imagine sitting on the pipe yep. iron on the Tombot with your grandfather. Yeah. And I'm going, right, you get up and do the five quarter. And it's like, well, it'd pretty much be like, I don't know, playing a third 15 game and Sally Bill going, come play for the All Blacks. You you know what I mean? Um, And um, I'm not putting this very well. But, um, um, you know, and and the other guy that used to do the five quarter was Tamapotaka, who's now national MP. Anyway, and they get us up to do the five quarter all the time. And I, I couldn't understand why, because. When you've got the best of the best sitting there, why would you want junkyard? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it makes no sense. Um, but I, but I get the point because, in a funny and weird kind of way, if you're not putting those lessons that you've seen from the exemplars mm-hmm. in action, yeah, and you have the benefit of them being right beside you when you do it, yeah. and this always happened, we'd sit down there we'd kind of review what we did, uh, and invariably get things wrong. But when you've got the master sitting there. On your shoulder, telling you how to do it—it's—it's right? yep. it's a really powerful thing. And I still—and it's never going to happen. But I think about people like your grandfather. The, the, when I have to get up and do meals and stuff, I think about that kind of level yep. of well, one day—it's yeah. never going to happen. But one day, maybe yep. you know. And that's a really inspiring thing. And that comes back to how we started this conversation with you, um, because I think. There are lots of people who are listening to you now going, there's so much out of this conversation that they can learn and take transferable skills from and apply Mm. to their field of pursuit and their endeavours. And um, I just want to thank you for it because I think the invigorating part of what you're talking about is, yep, discipline, um, but also being brave enough to take steps to do do things Mm. and to try and be the best at it in the world not in the whānau but yeah. in the world yeah.
1: is a really awesome thing thank you yeah it's definitely um, something I've had to learn growing up is um, yeah just if you have something just go after it don't don't let your your fears or your your um, limitations hold you back um, and then yeah in your real journey you know go all in something that um, I've embraced and something I did for my year was get my first tamoko and um you know something i i never thought I'd even get any any more core. i don't i my whole my whole life wasn't something i um gravitated towards um but i had a i guess realization that now it's time um you know carrying my fuck carrying no, um you know my my two point on my back literally no. um so when I go out there and step on the world stage people know that oh he he's he's a um He's quite pale, eh? He's not, <laughs> not mouldy, but then, you know, they see my tarmakle now, and they said, "No, nah, no, nah, he's he's definitely moldy, you know. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just the way I wanted to um, show, you know, um, homage to my culture, to, to yeah, the, way. Um, my people, and and know that I carry them everywhere I go. Um, and yeah, for um, people that are, I guess, looking up to me to. Um, Guess help them on their journey. Um, you know, I, I started in a place where no one else believed in me but myself. Everyone thought, you know, he's he's too small, or he's he's um, he's not going to make it, or whatever. You know, he's not he's not um, as smart as you know the rest of his family and stuff like that. But you know, I just stuck at it and um, trusted in the process, and um, yes, yeah, just keep turning up for yourself. Yeah, what did I I think your grandfather'd be
0: pretty proud he used to do this thing he'd we'd, we'd go to these manu court competitions yeah he would never clap he'd have his tooltoy he'd just yeah uh, this and he'd never clap uh, I reckon he's doing a bit of that and that he'd uh then he come here to then.